Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire podcast. I have a very big announcement. My family and I, my younger two kids, and my wife and I are going to be joining Youth with the Mission as missionaries, and we're going to be leaving September the 27th. Um, uh, I've had people ask, uh, will the Kindling Fire continue? Yes, I plan to continue the podcast and the blogs and all the other things that I'm doing as best I can uh, as we are in training and then eventually going on to outreach. Um, if you would l- like to learn more about that adventure that my wife and I and family are taking, go to our website, Troy and Kathy with a K. TroyandKathy.com, or go to YouTube and subscribe to our Mangum Adventures channel. Okay, let's get to the podcast. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. Hey, welcome to part two of the conversation. If you haven't listened to part one, go back, check it out, and then tune into this one. There were two things that I learned um, in life that were very important to me. Number one, when I was doing leadership development, that the number one human driver, what we behave more, more so out of than anything else, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but more so than anything else, is not love, it's not courage, it's not confidence, it's fear. Hmm. Now, there's biological reasons why that, that we live out of fear. If you want to get into it, we can talk about it. But if you think about it at work, why are people often um, have so many problems with other people at work? Why do they, are they divisive? Why are they gossiping about other people all the time, right? It's fear. It's driven by fear. Fear that I'm not going to get enough. I'm not going to have enough. Someone's going to take something away from me. I'm not going to get the promotion. And we do this across the board. You get into an argument with your wife. Hmm. Very quickly, if you're not careful, what's going to happen is your amygdala, this little walnut-sized piece of your brain, takes over. It's your fight-or-flight mechanism of your brain, yeah. right? Yeah. which is good if you're running from a saber-toothed tiger or you need to run for your life. right? Yeah. Like that, the, that's when we need that. But it's not good in an argument with our spouse right. <laughs> or when we're in a crucial conversation at work. That's very important. And we get upset and we're afraid and that adrenaline rushes through our body. And we make poor choices in those moments. Okay. So anyways, that we're fear-driven, number one. And then outside of that, what what starts to happen is that because of that fear, we let negativity infect almost every area of our life without realizing it. And certainly without realizing the implications of that. So like you and I, at all times, we bring a certain, a certain environment with us. Mm. Okay. We set the stage for our kids, for our, our work environment, for whatever it happens to be. And we can choose to really work hard on things like positivity and things like faith and things like inspiration. And it's words that come out of our, out of our mouth. That's why the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful what you speak. Right. And there's actually a, a, a model for this mm. called the Pygmalion effect. 
Hmm. And the Pygmalion effect is actually, there are studies done about this uh, that literally is about self-fulfilling prophecy, that what you believe about yourself and about others impacts your actions, their actions, so you start to treat yourself like th- those kinds of things, and the circle continues. Okay, I'm going to stop you there, because I, the, from a standpoint of science, um, it, that idea... Uh, is that the self-fulfilling prophecy, you've heard it, people talk about it, but if there's actual evidence that says, no, this, this is, you can, because that's kind of a, that's a kind of a, that's a, a fuzzy concept, right? I know it to be true. I've, I've experienced it to be true. I can, I can create an incredibly awful negative environment through my negative thoughts because my negative thoughts affects my actions, affects my emotions, and it just starts to permeate. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And so uh, I, I have two examples for you. Okay. Good. One from research and one from from spirituality. Yeah. Okay. Faith concept. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's start with the research. Yeah. True story. General. Okay. And I'll make this a quick quick story. Yeah. Sure. The study is that he is he's training the most elite forces that there are in the military. The elite of the elite of the elite. So these people are going to be Navy SEALs. This is the last stop. He gets this group in, and he's putting them through this training. He's told, okay, these are the best of the best. These are our guys who have scored the highest. In physical conditions, uh, mental toughness, all the things you see, you know, the, the beaches running over the, the, have you ever seen yeah. those kinds of trainings? Yeah. Well, I mean, these are the best. They're the best shooters, best everything, best relationally, top scores. Here they are, okay? These are your, these are your most elite. Here's this next group. Sorry to tell you, these are the low performers. You know, this is the elite training, so these guys are still good, but they're just nowhere near as good as these top-level guys. Yeah. They just didn't score as high. They didn't score as well. Maybe you'll find a, a diamond in the rough, but, you know, good luck. And then here's this middle group. We don't have time to give you any data on them. We don't know if they're elite, if they're low, if they're in the middle. We have no idea. So the general puts them through this training. True story. Puts them through all of this training. At the end of the training, guess where the lower people end up coming out in the scores? Low. The bottom. Right? Yeah. Well, they're, they're the poor performers coming in. They're the poor performers afterwards. Yep, no yeah. shock. Yeah. Top performers, guess where they showed up? Top performers. The top. Still, they were the most elite. So, of course, these, guys, these are the machines, right? The, the, the best of, the, of, of America. Yeah, yeah. And then the middle group fell all in between. Some in the high, some most in the middle, and then some in the low. Yeah. Does that surprise you at all, that study? No. No, except for one thing. All the data was false. There was no top no bottom, no middle. They just put them all into one group. What happened? Pygmalion effect. Here's what happened. Imagine the soldier that's on the bottom, and the general knows it, right? Goes through, let's say it's an obstacle course. He makes a mistake. He doesn't get over. He trips or whatever. How does the general treat him? Uh, the expectation would probably be like, okay, yeah, that's pretty standard. Yeah, well, that's what I would expect. You're on the bottom line, and probably he said something. Come on, soldier. You know, why do you keep making those same mistakes over and over? Get your head in the game. Come on, what's wrong with you? Right? Yeah, yeah. on. The elite guy comes, makes the same mistake, but he's the top of the top. How does the general treat him? He can, you can do better. Hey, you know what, son? That's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. I know you got in you. You're our best. You're the best of the best. That soldier starts to believe. This is the idea of the Pygmalion effect. What that general said, he now, the soldier, starts to believe, which now affects his actions. So we, this is a fascinating thing, because we actually, this is why what we say to people, you think about this. So I did, early on in my research, I did a study of hundreds of people. What was the most impacting thing anybody ever said to you in your entire life, changed your life? You know what it was? What? Just a couple words. I believe in you. Mm. 
And people recounted the story that at a certain time in their life, they didn't believe in themselves, maybe others around them, but somebody came alongside of them, told them that they could do something that they didn't think they could do on their own, that they believed in them and they knew they were going to be able to accomplish it. It gave them the courage to be able to overcome that obstacle and to do that thing. And so this is the idea of Pygmalion, mm. right? That, that's why we have to be careful what we say to ourselves because we'll start believing it. You, Absolutely. You meet somebody who's like, oh, you know what? Every, I'm sick all the time. Every time the flu symptom comes through, I get it. Well, lo and behold, they get it, right? Yeah. This is the life and death is in the power of the tongue. Now, second, from a spiritual perspective, here's what I, here's what I, I believe. How was, the, how, are, how was heaven and earth created? Uh, through words. God spoke them into existence, right? Okay, so we're now created in God's image. God, right out of the gate in the Garden of Eden, gives Adam authority to, and he names the animals. He named through spoken word, right? We are created with a ability to speak things into existence. Now, not like God, right? We can't right. say, let there be light. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is why scripture talks about this over and over. Mm-hmm. And why it's so important words that come out of our mouth and why in Joshua, he said, choose this day whom you will serve. He says that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's why he was blessed. Mm-hmm. That's why those, those, those Abrahamic covenant blessings, because they believed, they, they made a choice and they spoke that choice. And they, they had scriptures tied on their head and they spoke those words over and over, constantly reminding them. One of the reasons why we need to re- read the Bible isn't because it's a religious exercise, it's because we need to be reminded about who we are and who our God is and his faithfulness and what he will do in our life. Yeah. It has that impact on us. So yeah. I think spiritually, we have to be very careful with what comes out of our mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the, the leadership gurus I listen to, I listen to, I mean, he's so adamant about this that he doesn't even let his staff or himself ever even say fall, like summer, winter, spring, fall. <laughs> Autumn. Autumn. Yeah. That's how much he believes that you know you don't power. yeah you don't want to confess anything in a negative framework yeah. now the truth is is that we all do it but how much time do we really think about what are we saying mm-hmm. what are we saying to our kids what are we saying you know life and death is in the power of the tongue and positivity basically it comes from the positive psychology movement yeah so there's so much uh, research on it now it's not just yeah. hocus yeah. pocus that they've determined that you have to ha- you have to have three positives poured into you for yeah. every one negative in life. You know, there's a scripture they came across, and and I'm not going to be able to um, pull it up verbatim, but it's in Proverbs, and and it says that a man will eat the, from the fruit of his lips, a man will come good things as from the work of his hands, meaning that the words that he says is eat as as important as what he does. And I thought it was a fascinating scripture because it's like, that's a pretty high bar for the words you say. I understand the work of, you know, you work, you're going to get rewarded. You work, you're going to, everybody gets that. If you're American, you get it. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but from the fruit of your lips will come good things, just like the work of your hands. That's a pretty high bar. It's a very high bar. It's powerful. I mean, it's how we're created. Yeah. I mean, vision is another one of those things. Why is it so important to have vision in our life? And yet, according to the Leadership Challenge, great leadership book, less than 3% of executives live out of any personal vision. Most people that I know, and I train hundreds of people a week, yeah. hundreds, and I, I always do this, and I, I talk to them about how important is it for our plans in your life? You're going to go on summer vacation, right? You're going to How important are your plans? Oh, incredibly important, or else you're not going to know where you're going. Well, how are you going to get it? What does it look like? So I get them all to agree. Plans are they're imperative in our life. Yeah. I'm like, great. So the plan for the most important thing in your entire life, which is you, I want you to pull out your plans and show me what it looks like. What's your vision? No one can do it. No one can do it. Yet, if you look scripturally, back to Proverbs, right, yeah. that we're talking that... The people 
people have to have vision. People die for lack of vision yeah. in their life. You look at the definition of faith, the evidence of things hoped for and not seen, right? I mean, so vision is something that all of us should live out of, yeah. whether it's a leadership training course or not, and something that we also speak into existence that we, because we constantly have these negative forces pulling us down and keeping us from the things that matter most to us. Yeah. So my personal belief is that everybody should have a couple things in front of them at all times. Yeah. One is a personal vision statement. Two are their own personal values, why you do what you do. I'd say if there's any reason why I've been successful building what God has called us to build, this company from Europe, it's because I've lived that out of my value. I've known why I'm doing what I'm doing. Hmm. It's not just people don't care about what you do. They care about why you do it. Well, I'm going to ask you, why? Why do you do it? So I have five core values. Yeah. Faith, family, hope, freedom, and vulnerability. Okay? Those are in front of me all the time. I wake up. It's the first thing I look at. I think about how my, my, the actions that I'm taking, the plans that I'm making are helping me live these values out more. Mm. So let's just take family. When I was doing the ministry piece of my job, that value was being violated. Yeah. And, and it was being value, violated not just in time, but because I was not becoming a good father. Yeah. I'd come back and I was tired. I had nothing less. I was giving my family my, my seconds, yeah. not my first, the leftovers. And, and I didn't know it, right? Had I known that value and been clear about it, I mean, now I have goals built off my values, each one. Yeah. So I can tell you exactly what it looks like. Um, so, and then I can explain each of those other values and why they're there. Vulnerability is there because, you know, the second thing that happened to me about positivity is I didn't grow up in a good home. I didn't know my real dad for 17 years of my life. My, my mom left my stepdad eight times, you know, just, I would dump me off with my grandparents. I mean, it was hard. I was in a new school every year, and it was constantly negative. <clears throat> so that's how I grew up. Why are most of us negative? Not because we want to, but it's because of the model we were handed. Yeah, yeah. And so it's we have to hand it down. We have to create our new models. Like, what do you want that model to look like? And so it has to be your values. So everything I do is based on those five areas. Mm. So I'm in Barcelona. I have more freedom. I can live where I want. I can do what I want. I can, I can say yes to a job, no to a job. I never had that kind of freedom in my life. Yeah. And for me, it's not just freedom in general. It's freedom to be with the people that I want to be with. It's freedom to, to help facilitate what they're doing in their life. It doesn't mean I'm never going to travel, but even when, I, when I'm traveling and, and I'm traveling quickly, as much, I mean, I'm making that as quick of, a, of an experience as I can, I'm doing it to provide things for our family. That's our family vision. Yeah. The, the thing that, that really fascinates me about, about you and what I like about you is you've taken risk. You've kind of put God to the test, if you will, right? And, and you've, you've found him to be true. And, he's prob- and, and uh, with his promises, with, with, uh, with what has kind of your world has expanded, and, and not a lot of people have that perspective because they haven't had that lived. They haven't lived it. Mm. And, and what I'd love uh, to hear from you is from that perspective, what have you come to discover about God that you didn't know before, but having lived through some things now, it'd be like looking back going, okay, I've discovered this about him. Now that I, I didn't think that was true before. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, do you? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I would say that number one thing that I've learned is that even in my darkest of days, that God is guiding and leading my life and is faithful in ways that I have no idea. Mm -hmm. You realize it six months, 12 months, two years down the road, 
but you don't when your kid breaks his leg at one of the most critical times in his yeah. entire life and could be, you know, it, you know, keeping him from an experience that could transform the rest of his life. Yeah. You don't, you don't see it happening then. Um, that, that God is, is always with us and moving and doing things and we can trust him. Mm. 100%. Um, I'd say the second thing is that I really, you know, for so much of the time, I felt like, you know, how I was raised, um, I won't talk denominations, but how I was raised in faith, it was like there's so much emphasis on what you can't do. You can't do this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. This is this is a, a, a t- terrible lifestyle choice. This is a sin. This is a that, right? It was all what you can't do. Uh, I mean, not what you can do. Yeah. And, and, I, and I felt like that through this experience, it was almost like that God was saying, listen, I'm giving you choice. You choose what you think is best. I'll lead you and guide you. But whatever you choose, I'm going to bless you. Mm. I'm going to bless you. And that's what, what, what he's done is that um, now I try very hard to align my life with, with what God wants me to do. But sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the faith walk. Right. And so that. that the, and desires play in there as well. Sure they do. Yeah, and sure the, and and I've had other podcasts on here. We've discussed desires are not this evil thing. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they can be very God given, and so right. the idea that you're like being being led by your desires, you don't quite know. You have choice. I mean, it sounds like a wonderful kind of life. Versus, oh no, I'm going to screw up. I'm going to go down the wrong path, and I should have went the other way. Or this is the thing I'm not supposed to. You know, that whole sort of restrictive life mentality. Right. Right. What if I miss God's will? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think if you're following him, you're not going to miss his will. Yeah. I mean, it's the wrong question to yeah. ask. And, and, and that's, you know, that, that part of like it's Ephesians 3.20, that God will do exceedingly and abundantly above what we could hope or ask or think. Like he is so for us in that way. So for our kids. So for our journey. And it gives him pleasure. I mean, that's the other thing. He delights yeah. in that. Yeah. And so, you know, it, I think you, you learn those things. You know those things, right? Quote, unquote. Not, yeah. But it's different when you have to live those things. And so for us living as a foreigner, because you're a foreigner, it's hard. Like relationships are hard. Yeah. Um, you don't have the, your family. You don't have all your comfort zones. Yeah. You have to rely on a different, different matrix. Right, your relationship mm. with God becomes becomes different. Doesn't it? Doesn't mean it, it's easier. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we've seen Him in a different light and the power of what He can do in a completely different light. And my kids, all of them, I would say they trust Him more. They their faith is is solid. Mm. They have a passion for the issues that are going on around our world and all of these things. And and I mean, it, it's been amazing to see that transformation. So the hard stuff, the hard things, have brought the gold. Right. Yeah. So it's helped, you know, it's kind of like the refiner's fire. It's helped burn out those impurities and it's yeah. brought the really the great things about them. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're, they're years ahead of where they would have been um, yeah. in their nice, comfortable house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It wasn't the, it wasn't just the place, but I mean, the experience certainly squeezed something different out of them and helped shape them in an incredible way. Yeah. So if you, if you were to leave anybody uh, with sort of last thoughts about, you know, your encouragement to them, because there are a lot of people that are still on that this side of the fence of a, a, a decision, mm-hmm. this side of a risk. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. They're on that side going, you know, with all their thoughts about what could or could not. What, what would you tell them? You know, one of the things that I do with teams or individuals is I have them do something. It's a real simple thing called a dream inventory. And it's something that we don't do enough anymore. 
um, as kids, it was kind of built into us. Like we dreamed, like I'm going to be a fireman, I'm going to be a ballerina, right? And some well-attending intending adult came along at some point and said, you know what, now you have to grow up. Right. You can't dream those things anymore, now it's time to go to school, get a job, you know, live a life. And I, I think one of the most important things that we could ever do is to, is to dream, to dream and, and to think, what God, does God want me to do? What if, it, what if the limits were off, the shackles were pulled, and anything was possible? Anything was possible. And what I found with people is that that, that crazy desire in your heart, that, that crazy vision that you have, often that's God tugging on you, mm-hmm. right? To pull you out, to believe for something completely different, no matter how old you are, no matter no, how many years in corporate America that you've had. Yeah. And so one thing I would encourage people is to dream again. Do a dream inventory. What does that look like? If anything were possible, you had a magic wand, where would you go? What would you do? Who would it be with? What would it look like? Out of that, create a vision for your life. Those three things I said that everybody should have in front of them. Number one, a life vision. Yeah. What is the most important thing? And it could be a year. It doesn't have to be like, this is why I was created. I mean, yeah, I yeah. think sometimes people get too caught off guard, but what, what's your weight on it? Too much weight on it. Make it simple. What's your life vision? What do you want to do? What are you passionate about? What do you love? What do you care about? And keep it in front of you and, and refine it every day. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, uh, science has proven that if you win the first hour of the day, you win the whole day. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, if you miss the day by not focusing on what's important to you, the amygdala kicks in, and, and there's something called we live in the pay the rent, I call it. You know, pay the rent. We're just putting out fires, answering whatever, you know, questions people are breathing down our neck. <laughs> That's a great way to put you, it. You know, and then we get to the end of the day, we're, we've done a lot, we're exhausted, but we go, what did I really do that was important to me? And so what you have to do is we have to shift because those things are always going to happen. You always have to pay the rent, but you don't want to spend 80% of your time there. Where do you want to spend your time? your vision, your values, the things that are important to you. Yeah. And so be clear. You can't screw this up. You know what I mean? It's like, you you don't have to go through a workshop. I mean, it's good if you can, but just sit down and come up with what, do a dream inventory. What's my vision and what are my five core values that mean more to me than anything else? And those values are going to reflect that vision. And then very simply, you wake up every day looking at that and saying, what's one thing that I can do today that will get, that will help me accomplish those values and that vision that's so important in my life. Mm. You do that over time, consistency is the mother of mastery, right. right? All of a sudden, you'll start living those things, right? Now, we, we, talk, we even talk about the power of the brain because there's this whole science called neuroplasticity that our brain changes. And literally, our brain has 11 million bits of information it's trying to process a second. The maximum that we can process is 40. Well, so how does your brain know what to do? It doesn't. It's throwing stuff out left and right. And so the only way your brain knows is we give it things to focus on. So that's why that science says if you open up the day focusing on what's important to you and being positive and speaking life and and, and figuring out ways that you can accomplish those things, it drastically and radically transforms your entire life. You will physically change your, your trajectory of how your brain thinks. Completely. How you feel. Because how what you say, positivity and negativity, affects your biology. You think about it, when you're around somebody who's negative, do you want to be around someone who's negative? No. No. And the reason you don't is because it releases negative toxins in your body. And they're called adrenaline, cortisol, neoadrenaline. I mean, there's all these, and you feel bad, like literally. It's fear-based. Yeah, yeah. When you're around positive people, it's a totally different set of chemicals. They're called happy chemicals. Serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin. When you feel the most connected with somebody or the most inspired, these are the chemicals that are that are pouring through your body. Well, that happens in a positive environment. Yeah. And so when you start the day 
paying the rent, it releases ne- too much negative chemicals. Yeah. You start the day positively, it changes everything. Your biochemistry, what you feel about yourself, your ability to accomplish things, having goals and dreams, having the courage to step out in faith. It's incredibly important. Yeah. So if people want to follow up with you and kind of find out more about what, you're, what you offer, they have a company or they're interested in, in just finding out more and what you have to, to offer, where would they go? Yeah, easiest place, Tom at leaderselevate.com. Tom at leaderselevate.com. Obviously, the website is leaderselevate.com. They can find me on Facebook. They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at C. Thomas Davis is my handle. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love this stuff. I'm passionate about this because I, I see it change people's lives. I mean, what a better thing to do than to help people who feel like, man, there's these things that are so important in my life, but I don't know how to get there. Helping people get there and helping them have the tools yeah. to create the change and the transformation in their life that they want. So that's yeah. what our company does. And uh, it's one of the things that we, we absolutely love. We feel it's super, super biblical, but it also has the power to create the kind of life and the kind of story that they've always wanted to live. Yeah. Tom, thank you so much for coming on. This has been very positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good. Well, it's always good to be with Detroit. All right. If you've been encouraged and inspired by the show and you would like to know what else we've got going on, go to thekindlingfire.com. There you can join the Firestarters, which is a Facebook Messenger community I let know first anytime I do anything. You can also get a book there called You Can Certainly Do It that I've written to really encourage you to take your first steps to really start the small fire that God's starting in your life. Uh, In addition to that, you can sign up for the seven-day Bible devotional, Become a Sign and Wonder. And as always, be awesome. Hey, if you like the podcast and you want to show us some love, we're on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. Uh, Go follow us there, and I put some cool stuff in the Insta stories, and uh, it would be cool to interact with you there. So just a reminder, follow us on Instagram, and be awesome.